chapter 2. Book of Philippians chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 1. The book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1, when you got it, say so. And it says this, it says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ... If any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross." Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your great, great love, God, that you have shown us. God, we humble ourselves before you today in acknowledgement, Lord God, that you are the great I am. You are the king who reigns and rules forever, Lord God. And our hearts are humbled before your word today, God, asking you to speak to us. God, my prayer is that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church, that we, your people, would not be hearers alone of your word, but that we would be doers of your word as well, God. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would be glorified in these next few moments as we expound your word, Father God. Illuminate our minds, illuminate our hearts, bring glory to Jesus, and empower us to live for you and for you alone. We pray this in Jesus' good name. Someone said... You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so as we've been going through our series, last week I told you that I took, a, I took a break from the regular series that we were in, dealing with what does love have to do with it. This week is the last message in this four-part series, and we'll be dealing with the topic of serving out of love. Um, when you look at the book of Philippians chapter 2, you find this great picture of Jesus and, he's, and, 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 and the Apostle Paul is communicating to us some things about him. And if you look at your outline, if you need an outline, raise your hand. If you don't have an outline, the ushers will get you one. If you don't have an outline, it's good for you so that way you can take notes and you can also follow along. And if you're in a connect group, you're able to also answer the questions because these are the questions that we're going to be dealing with. But in your outline, you'll see there in the beginning that Jesus is our example in the area of servant leadership. And so what happened is the greater humbled himself to serve the lesser. 
We are the lesser. Jesus is the greater. He humbles himself to serve us in all areas, but specifically in the lesser's deepest area of need. And so what Jesus does is he comes to this earth. And one thing that we do is that when we look at Jesus, as I said, he is a great example for us. He shows us what a servant leader should look like. He shows us what that picture is. And in this particular portion of scripture, what we find here is this example that he gives us. And what does he do? We look at verse 5. I love what the apostle says here. He says, let this mind be in you which also was in Christ Jesus. Which shows us that everything that we're going to do is going to begin in our minds. It's going to begin in our hearts. If we don't have the right mindset, nothing that we do is going to be for the glory and honor of Jesus. It will be for other things. But what happens is when we have the right mindset, Paul says, have the same mind that was in Jesus. The same mind that he had. The same way that he humbled himself. The same way that he had a humble opinion of himself in this moment in time is the same way that we should have this same humble opinion of ourselves. And he said this, he said, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. And when you look at the word robbery, it may mislead you to think of different things. But what he's saying there, that it wasn't something that was to be held on to. And so what he says is that he was in the form of God because we know that in the beginning Jesus was the word, right? And in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And so Jesus being God in the form of God, what he does, he says that he's not going to hold on to his godliness, but he is going to relinquish himself of those things for a moment in time and that way he can do what? So he can serve us. That way he can bring us salvation. But here's what I want you to get is that Jesus is not solely an example of a servant that we're supposed to follow as an example because for some of us when we read our Bible we look at the Bible as a place of good principles we look at the Bible as a place to get good wisdom or good information but what we really need to understand is that what I said what I what I wrote down there was that he served the greatest need of the lesser And what we've got to get is that Jesus wasn't just here to give us an example how to live or give us an example how to love. He does all of that. But his main purpose of coming to this earth, and we'll look at it in a moment when we look at the book of Matthew, but his main purpose was to come and to offer himself as a sacrifice in our place so he could bring us salvation. What he did was he died so that way we could have life. He came into this earth not just to give us an example on how to die, but he died for the purpose because you and I cannot save ourselves. You and I cannot liberate ourselves from our bondage to sin. But what Jesus does is he comes and he dies in our place and he shows us that this is the mindset that we are supposed to have as children of God. He goes on to say this in verse 7. He said, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. Say bondservant servant and coming in the likeness of men and so Jesus takes the position he looks like a man he comes down here like a bond servant like he's the one who has a debt to pay like he's the one who has something that he owes. That's, a, that's what a bondservant is. A bondservant is someone who, and, and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I said that God didn't want, to, want us to just do this, and I'm going to repeat this again later. He didn't want us to just have some grudging, religious, dry service unto him. But he wants us to be bondservants. And so what a bondservant is is someone who has a debt that they have to pay. And what they do is they serve until that debt is paid. That's what a bondservant does. And so Jesus comes in the form of this bondservant. He comes to this earth and that way he can do what the scriptures said or predestined or predetermined that he was going to do, which was to die in our place. 
And verse 8 says, And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And so Jesus dies in our place, this horrible death, and that way he can give us this life that we don't deserve. That's what he does. And Paul starts off in verse 5 to say this. He says, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus. And so for us as children of God, we have to ask ourselves this question, do we have that mindset? Do we have the same mindset that Jesus, that Jesus had? Do we have the same mindset that he had that we want to serve others with all of our hearts? Again, the most important thing, if you look down at your outline, the most important thing of, on, in all of our actions is to ensure that we are serving from the correct motives. And so when we deal with serving out of love today, we must ask ourselves the question, am I serving the Lord in whatever capacity that I'm serving him? You may be serving him in ministry. You may be serving him as a husband, as a wife. You may be serving him as, in ministry and as a husband or a wife. You may be serving him in ministry, husband and wife, and also in your workplace. But all that we have to realize is that all that we do in this earth is a service unto the Lord. Everything that we do is a service unto the Lord. When Paul is talking in First Peter, and he's speaking to um, the slaves, he is explaining to them that they are supposed to serve their masters, and he's dealing with this. Slaves, he's saying, look, don't, don't ask to be freed from your slavery, but serve them as though you are serving the Lord, because all of your service, everything that you are doing is unto the Lord. It's not about the people that you're serving, but it's about the God that you're glorifying. And so he communicates this. And so it's important for us to ask ourselves those questions. Am I serving from the place? See, do I serve? Do we serve? This is the question. Do we serve to get something or do we serve because we have already gotten something? That's the question. Do I serve because I'm trying to attain something or do I serve because I've already received something? Because I've already gotten something, is that the reason that I serve? You see, because we get, we get to this place where we want to think about how we earn things. And so if we just take it to the natural and we look at our jobs, in your job, right, you serve in your job capacity, whatever it is that you do, you serve there for a paycheck, correct? Amen? Yes? Amen. Nobody works for free. Hello, glory to God. I'm just saying right? Everybody, everybody serves for that paycheck. They serve. They do their job. They work for that paycheck. And so in that sense, what you do is you serve because you are trying to get something, right? But now, as a Christian, there's something that should happen, and it is this. In the Christian sense, we exceed the expectations of our job description because we have already received the grace of God. And so even though I work in a workplace and I work for a paycheck at the end of the week or every two weeks, it doesn't mean that as a Christian that's the end of my service because what happens is my job description says I should do certain things and there's other things that I should be doing that are additional to my job description. Hello. Why? Because I'm not doing this for the company that I work for. I'm not doing this for the raise. I'm not doing this because of the promotion that I want to get. I'm not doing this because, um, you know, I, I, want, I, want to, I want to, you know, earn the approval of men. But I'm doing this. I'm serving the way that I serve. You know, it's, it's things like this. Like, I come to work instead of just walking in like making a photo finish every day. Hello, somebody. Right? I make it there a few minutes early so that way I'm not walking through the door with everyone else. I'm an example to other people. See, but why do I do that? Do I do that because I want people to notice me or do I do that because I want to give glory and honor to Jesus? 
I do it because I want to glorify Jesus. When I'm asked to stay a little bit later, I do it not because I'm trying to earn points, but it's because I've already gotten the greatest gift. And what I want to do is I I am looking for. See, everything that I do when I stay late, when I come early, when I do my task and I help others, when I do those type of things in my job scenario, what I am doing is I am looking for an opportunity to bring glory and honor to Jesus so I will hopefully have an opportunity to share the reason why I come early, the reason why I stay late, the reason why I work harder, the reason why I do the things that I do. It's not because I am so great. On the contrary, I do those things because I recognize that I am not great and apart from Jesus, I am nothing but because of him, I am something today and therefore I serve the way that I do because I'm looking for any opportunity and avenue to share the gospel. See, people don't want to hear you hear about you in the gospel when you're always coming in late. Hello? People, people don't want to hear about you in the gospel when you can't help no one else out. Hello? Well, that's not on my job description. You know, it's kind of like we were kids, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but, but I, I was, see, I was the, I am the oldest of six. So there was a lot of us. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. So there was a lot of stuff that was all over the place that, guess what? It wasn't mine. Hello? For any of you parents, you probably understand where I'm, where I'm coming from, right? Your kids walk by it and say, well, you know, you'd be like, well, can you just pick that up? They're like, well, I didn't put that there, right? I, this, this is what our children do, okay? And so what they're saying is at this young age, they're like, well, I didn't make the mess, so why do I have to clean it? Glory to God. And then parents, you want to lay hands on them, right? Amen. Glory to Jesus. Like, how many messes do you make that I didn't make that I got to clean up, right? But here's the thing. We grow up and we get into our workplace and we learn our job description. And then we say, well, you know what? This is what my job description says. And so I don't have to do that. So what does that show? That shows that we're just like we were when we were little kids. Hello? I didn't make that mess, so why do I have to do that? But see, the motivation, the motivation in my heart, the motivation for the reason why I do what I do is not because I want to bring glory to me. It is because I want to bring glory to the King of Kings. In our culture, when we look at this topic of serving, serving has been minimized to almost almost a non-essential status. The lowest of the low serve while everyone else is served. Growing up, we used to hear things like this. You don't want to grow up to be a garbage man. Hello. If there are any garbage men in here, I don't mean to be offensive. I'm just saying this is what I heard when I was a kid, right? You don't want to grow up to be that because that was like the worst job, right? But have you ever thought, I, when I was writing that down, I thought about something. What if there were no garbage men? Can you imagine how crazy this place would be? I'm just saying, I, I know that we accumulate a lot of garbage. Like I have a garbage thing and every Tuesday it's full. So can you imagine a garage full of garbage, a house overflowing with garbage, but somebody comes and serves you a couple of times a week, and you should give glory to God for that person. I'm just saying. But what happens to us is that many times we look down on with disdain what God looks upon with honor. When we look at the topic of serving in these days, especially, you know, writing to anybody who was from the Greek persuasion, anybody in that mindset, in that culture was just like us today. They didn't want to be told to serve. Serving was foreign to them. Everybody wanted position of power. Everybody wanted position of authority. Nobody wanted to be the servant except our Savior. Our Savior comes, and even his disciples, as we'll see as we continue to look on, even his disciples had an issue with the serving thing. They had problems with that, with that mindset. And so what we have to do is we have to embrace the biblical truth that a servant is no greater than his master. I'm no greater than Jesus. 
If he had to serve, if he had to make himself of no reputation, how much more do I have to do that? If he had to humble himself, if he had to take on the menial task, if he had to do the lowest job that there was, if he had to do those, to, to do those things, then how much more do I need to submit myself and humble myself and be the servant that God has called me to be? I'm no greater than my master, and he is that. He is the master. And so the first thing I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, our understanding, our understanding. of servanthood, servanthood. Must, be must be rooted in biblical truth. Our understanding of servanthood must be rooted in biblical truth. And so we looked at this scripture here in the book of Philippians, and the book of Philippians clearly communicates to us that we are supposed to imitate Jesus. We are supposed to have the same mindset that he had. So turn with me to the book of Matthew, which is a familiar scripture for many of you, chapter 20, and we're going to look at verse 20 through 28. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 through, verse 20 through 28. When you got to say so? It says this. It says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him, came to Jesus with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those to, for whom it is prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the, with the two brothers. And so it seems like the other 10 got the lesson, right? It seems like the other 10, like they understood, like, man, how are you guys asking these type of questions? The reality is they probably got upset because they wanted to ask the question. Hello. All right. They, 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 every one of them was, was, was struggling and they wanted to have their own, you know, their, 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 their own position and, and they wanted to be the ones. They, they argued about this stuff often. And so, but Jesus called them to himself and said, notice he called all of them. He just called the two. He called all of them to himself to give them a lesson. And he says this. This is the reason why I allude that they probably all want to ask the question. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus and Jesus' disciples had more than one dispute about who would be the greatest in the kingdom, similar to children seeking to be favorites of their parents. Nonetheless, Jesus always brought them back to the principles of being servants, which is of the highest value in the kingdom of God, not so in the kingdom of men. 
His disciples come to him, or, or two of his disciples come with their mother, um, Salome, I believe is who it is, and they come to and she is asking a question for them. So she even has this mindset that is wrong. And she's like, look, I want these two to sit next to you. So that way what? So that way if, they, if Jesus says yes, then they will know, hey, these are the guys that Jesus really favors. These are the guys that Jesus really loves. And it's amazing because whenever we hear people talk about favor in our days, it's always about how God has exalted them. It's always about how God has lifted them up. It's always about how God has blessed them with this and given them that. And all of these things, when we hear about God's favor, but here, when God is talking about his favor, because he obviously favored these guys, he called all 12 of them to himself for them to walk with him, and that way he would send them out apart from Judas to be the ones who would be the leaders of his church. And when he ta- and we're talking about favor, what he says is, I favored you to serve. I favored you to be a slave of everyone. You want to be great? Be the slave. And when he says slave, he's talking about slave. He's ta- the, the word there is the word doulos or doulon. And what it talks about is it's literally someone who is a slave. And so for us to get a biblical picture of what it means to be a servant, here's what it is in the Old Testament. When the, in the Old Testament, the chief characteristic of a servant, which is understood as a slave, is that the servant belongs to another, so this servant has no legal rights of his own. Now, I don't know if you understand this, but this is what God is calling us out of. He is calling us out of slavery to sin, and we'll look at that scripture in a moment. He calls us out of slavery to sin to now being into a slavery to righteousness. He calls us out of darkness. He calls us out of our bondage to darkness, out of our bondage to sin. He calls us into the light to be in a relationship with him where we are totally 100% submitted to him, where we have the mindset that we no longer have rights of our own. That's why Paul says, no longer do I live, but Christ lives in me. You see, the issue with us as Christians is we want to relinquish some rights, but not all of them. We want to relinquish a few rights. We want to give up what we want to give up. We want to give up the things, okay, you know what, God, I'll give up TV. Or God, I'll give up the movies. Or God, I'll give up drinking. Or God, I'll give up these things. But what about the other stuff that God says, I want you to give up those rights as well? What happens to those things? See, because if we're going to be with Jesus, you know, we're either all in or we're not. This is what he's saying here. He's saying that we, he's, he's telling his servants here. He's saying, I came to serve, not to be served. Follow my example. He says that we are called into this. Now, that's the Old Testament definition of what it means to be a servant. In the New Testament, notice this. It isn't like this changes any. But in the New Testament, Paul calls himself and Timothy. In three different places, he calls himself a bondservant, okay? Bondservant is, again, that word doulos. And what the word doulos means is it means a slave. It means a bondman. It means a man of servile condition. It means a slave. Metaphorically, one who gives himself up to another's will. Did you hear that? One, th- this is the picture. It is that one who gives himself up to another's will those whose service is used by Christ in extending and advancing his cause among men. Oh, let me say that again. We all, look, I, I, don't know, I don't know about anybody else in this room, but I know this much. I want to see the kingdom of God manifested in our days. 
I want to see God working works. This morning we were praying today. I'm like, God, I pray like the psalmist prayed. The psalmist prayed, God, arise. Arise and revive your works of old. What the psalmist was doing was he was looking back at the history of Israel. And he was saying, God, we saw the way that you liberated Israel from Egypt. We saw the miracles, the signs. We saw your power manifested in those days. And we are in need of you now. And so we pray that you would arise in our days and that you would revive your works of old. And so the same way that the psalmist prayed those things is the same way that I pray those things today, that God would revive his works. But can I tell you something? God cannot revive his works if he does not have people who are really his servants, people who have really given up their will, people who have really submitted their agenda, people who have really given up their life and said, God, it is not about me, but it is about you. Because here is the reality. Anything that we see wrought throughout the, throughout the word of God, we see it wrought through men who were submitted to God 100%. They gave up all of their life. When Jesus called the disciples and they were there fishing or cleaning nets, what did they do? Immediately, they got up. They didn't wait to figure out, well, can I afford this? They heard his call and they ran after him. And so we want to see great moves of God. The question is, is it still your will or is it his will? We want to see God move greatly in our family. Listen, we don't have to be so enormous in our thinking. I mean, we should think great because we serve a great God. But we want to see God move in our home. We want to see God move in our marriage. We want to see God move in our children. We want to see God move in all these little situations. And they're not little, but in comparison to the entire world, that is a small place. The question is, are you his servant or are you still serving your own desires? Because if we want to see God's power, I'm only talking from what I see in the scriptures, but Paul calls himself, he calls Timothy, he calls them bond servants. He calls it, and I'll give you the scriptures, you can write them down, we don't have to turn there. But it is in the book of Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. It is in the book of Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10. And it is in the book of Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. So Romans chapter 1 and verse 1 is when he calls himself a bondservant. Galatians chapter 1 verse 10 is where he calls himself a bondservant. And Galatians chapter, I mean, I'm sorry, and Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1 is where he calls himself and Timothy bondservants unto the Lord. Paul doesn't leave it there because a lot of people will say, well, you know what? He called himself a bondservant. He called Timothy a bondservant. But then we want to look at the scriptures. Let's turn our Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 6. We got a lot of scripture to go to today, so don't close your Bibles on me. The book of Romans chapter 6, verse 15 to 23. book of Romans chapter 6. Let's read verse 15 when you got to say so. He says, what then? Shall we sin because we are not because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. See, because that's the mindset of some people. Well, you know, we're no longer under the law, so I can just live how I want to live. I continue to sin, right? I, you know, I'm, I'm saved. I can't lose my salvation, and so I'm good to go, right? God secures me. God holds on to me, and so I can just live foul. I can, I can do whatever I want to do Paul is saying, look, you're foolish to think this way. He says this in verse 16. He says, do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? 
I want you to notice the terminology he used. He says, do you not know to whom you present yourselves? Say, present yourselves. This is not something that God takes away from us, okay, and says, I'm going to take, you're going to be my slave. That is not how it is. We present ourselves or we offer ourselves unto him the same way that we will offer, that we did offer ourselves to sin before we came to him. Verse 17 says, but, but God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Let me help you understand something. This, and, and I hope that this clears up some stuff for all of us. You are a slave to something. Do you hear me? You are either a slave to righteousness or you are a slave to sin. It is one or the other. And what Jesus does on the cross is he offers us freedom. From a slavery to sin. Because slavery to sin destroys us. Slavery to sin kills us. And so what we have to understand is that while we think, oh, well, you know what, I don't like that terminology. You know, I'm not going to be anyone's slave. Hold on a second. Time out. You are either a slave of righteousness or you are a slave of sin. There is no in between. And so Paul is making it clear. Thank God be thanked. Say God be thanked. God be thanked, God be thanked because he liberated us. From the power of sin. And he gave us freedom to walk in this righteousness. Verse 18 he says. And having been set free from sin. You became slaves of righteousness. He said I speak in human terms. Because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented. Your members as slaves of uncleanness. And of lawlessness. Leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. And so again, he says, look, he says, you have been set free from this sin. And he said, and so don't, and, 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 he, and he tells you, he says, don't present yourself. Don't present your bodies any longer as slaves of unrighteousness. But present yourself as slaves to righteousness. Present your, offer yourselves is what he's saying. He's calling us to make ourselves this offering that the book of Romans chapter 12 further on talks about us being these living sacrifices he says in verse 20 he says for when you were slaves of sin you were free in regard to righteousness and what fruit did you have then in the things of which you now are ashamed for the end of those things is death but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our lord Amen. so he says look he says you 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 your 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 unrighteous deeds produce death god wants to give us life but you can't have life and be your own master you can't have life that God offers and be your own master. Because while you may think you are your own master, sin is your master. If Jesus is not your master, then sin is your master. And this is what I said earlier. And so Paul, first of all, Paul says he's a bondservant. Paul says Timothy's a bondservant. And then he calls us to be the same thing, bondservants. He calls us to be those who understand that we have a debt that was owed and that Jesus paid this debt for us. 
So this is what I said in the first week when I started this, what does love have to do with this series? I said, God is not calling us into grudging, forced, painful, religious, dry labor, but he is calling us into bond servanthood. This is surrender to him and his will based on our understanding of the great work of salvation wrought for us on the cross. See, here's the thing. When we think about slavery, you know, you, I mean, obviously, you know, nobody in here, I don't think anybody in here was, has ever been a slave. I hope not. But here's the thing. We see movies and we see reenactments or we hear stories from people who were slaves. And when we hear those stories, those stories are so sad. Those stories are so hurtful. And, and, and they break our hearts when we hear about them. But here is the thing. When we look at that from that perspective, when we think of slavery to God and like, I'm God's slave, like that is something like it's going to be a horrible thing, like it's tacit and weighty but here is the thing God doesn't call us to just be these slaves he is he is specifically speaking about something in our hearts and in our lives but he calls us into a rich relationship with him he is not this taskmaster that is just up there telling you do this do that don't do this don't do that go there don't go there he's not that way he walks with us through everything he gives us grace through everything he loves us through everything he fills our heart with his love and overwhelms us and that is the reason why we become enraptured by his love and we become overwhelmed by him and then we freely give of ourselves because we realize that what we had see I don't know about you but I know me before I came to Jesus there was an emptiness in my heart there was something missing in my life and I thought that I had it all and I thought that I knew everything but when I met him I realized all of this time I was missing the greatest thing that I ever needed the only thing that I ever needed and when I come to him it's not a a hard task for me to say God my life is not mine it is yours it is an easy thing to do because I realize that I'm giving myself to a good and gracious and loving God Amen. all he wants for us is for us to have the life the life that he offers us but you can't have that life if he is not the master of your life Second thing I ask you to repeat after me is this say, our exercise, our exercise of, servanthood of servanthood must align, must align with, biblical with biblical standards. Our exercise of servanthood must align with biblical standards. So the first thing is that our understanding of what it means to be a servant, it must be rooted in the scriptures. But now, it's not just good enough for us to know how it is that we're supposed to live or what it is that we're supposed to do. But we also need to measure. Say measure. measure. We need to measure our lives. We need to see, am I living the way that I'm supposed to be living? The Bible constantly calls us to evaluate ourselves, to look at where we are. But here's the thing. God doesn't want us to evaluate ourselves based on our neighbor. He doesn't want us to evaluate ourselves best. He doesn't want us to evaluate ourselves based on the best and most holy Christian we know. He doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to evaluate and base all of our evaluation on one true God, and that is him and him alone. And he wants us to do it based on what the scriptures teach us. Because listen, if I compare myself to someone who is not at the same level that I am, then I'm going to hit cruise control and I'm not going to keep growing in grace. As a matter of fact, I'm going to start to become real prideful and real, and real, real heady because I start to think, man, you know what? They, 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 they need to get here with me. Hello. I start to look down on people, but it's not so bad. See, it is bad that I look down on them, but that's not the worst part of it. The worst part of it is that you're not growing the way that you should be growing. 
And then if you start comparing yourself to the other Christian that you feel like is way up there, you know, they're the person that prays and reads the word and you always hear them preaching and, you know, you start comparing yourself to that person and then all of a sudden you start to feel this condemnation. And guess what you're not doing again? You're not growing. And so Jesus calls us to compare ourselves to him because all of us will fall short, but we know that he died so that way we could what? Experience his grace. So our exercise of servanthood in this area of service must align with biblical standards. It is of the utmost importance that we measure our serving by biblical standards. And here are three biblical standards for serving. The first one we've already dealt with, and that is this. It is that we serve, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. We serve the Lord. So what I wanted to do here is I wanted to flesh this out. How is it that we serve God based on the scriptures? How can I know if I'm serving him? So the first one is this. We serve the Lord, first of all, as bond servants. And bond servants are those who are bound to service due to a debt that we owed. And so we, we first serve the Lord as bond servants, those who are bound to service due to a debt that we owe. So here's the question. I already talked about bond servants in my whole first point here. So I'm not going to get into this real deep. But here's the question that you need to ask yourself. Am I serving the Lord from a place of thanksgiving, joy, and humility? Or do I serve because I have to out of duty, obligation, and necessity? Because if I'm serving out of thanksgiving, if I'm serving out of joy, if I'm serving out of humility, then I understand the price that Jesus paid for me. Then I understand. And listen, I want you to understand, serving God is not always easy. Hello. No matter how much revelation you have of the gospel, no matter how much intimacy you have with God, there are some things that are just painful. There are some times that every time that you go into your prayer closet, tears are going to roll from your face. Your heart is going to constantly be gripped. And it's not because you don't know the gospel. It's not because you don't know the truth of scripture. It is because you are going through a heart-wrenching situation. You are going through a hard time. And that is okay. The question is, do I stop seeking him when I start the the tears or, or, or when the tears don't stop or do I continue to seek him until my joy is full you see because when I understand this gospel I'm going to continue to press on but in that I'm going to give him thanks because he has entrusted me with this hardship he has entrusted me with this difficult situation he's entrusted me with this service that he's called me to do whether listen and when we talk about serving I don't want you to look at it just in, in, in one dimension like serving in church it's serving in whatever capacity God has you with some preachers that were together one day and they were all talking about their amazing wives. And one of the preachers' wife wasn't so amazing. Amen, hallelujah. And so the other guys knew his situation and they were like, man, we are so sorry because we were, you know, boasting. And they weren't really boasting, but, you know, we were celebrating our wives and we know your situation. And, he, and the preacher said to them, he said, listen, he said, you don't have to be sorry for me. He said, I am grateful for the woman that God has given me. Because I wouldn't be able to grow in the character of Christ that I am growing in if I didn't have her. Amen. He, didn't, he didn't say that. His, he, didn't, he didn't come back and say, hey, my, my wife's amazing. He didn't say that. <laughs> he didn't say. He didn't lie. He was like, yes, she's a, he, but he did acknowledge she's a vessel God is using to make me. And, and if, I didn't, if I had your amazing wife, I wouldn't be the Christian I am today. I wouldn't pray the way I pray. I wouldn't be the, I wouldn't have been developed because God uses that. But you know what? You don't say stuff like that. And mean it from your heart if your heart is not being changed by the gospel. 
If your life is not being transformed because you become grudging and angry and you become hurt and you become offended and you become bitter and you're like, God, why? And God, why? And I can't believe you did this. And, I can't. and you begin to have the wrong heart and the wrong mindset. So the first question is, am I serving the Lord from a place of thanksgiving? And the reason why I ask these questions is because I need you to look into your heart. I need you to look at yourself. I need you to evaluate yourself. See if you are serving God in whatever capacity he has you with the right heart and the right mindset. Because if you say no, then God calls you to repentance. The second thing is this. We serve the Lord by serving others through our different gifts, talents, and abilities. And I'm going to take you to some scriptures here. Let's go to the book of Hebrews first, chapter 6 and verse 10. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. He says this. He said, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love. Say, of love. Which you have shown toward his name. So who do we show love to? When we labor, when we work, we're showing love to his name first. And that you have ministered, that word ministered is the word diaconeo, which means to serve. So to have served the saints, and you do serve. And so we understand that we do what? We serve others, but we are showing love toward the name of our God. Because what? Our hearts have been changed by his love. And so we serve others through the gifts that we have, but we do that all in the name of our Lord. We do it in love toward him, okay? So now turn to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. We're just going to start at verse 7 just so we can flow into verse 10. You got to say amen. amen. It says this, it says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift. Say, as each one. Now look, look at me for a moment. Each one means each one. Amen? I'm just saying because, you know, some people be like, nah, that didn't mean me. No, yes, you're each one. Say, say, I am each one. I mean, you're not each one, but you're one of each one. So anyway, the, the point is you are, you're one of each one. And so each one, as each one has received a gift. So everybody in this room, if you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, you have received a gift. And he says this, minister it or serve to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so the gifts that I receive, the things that God has entrusted me with, when I don't serve, I am not being a good steward. Are you seeing that? Because if I'm being a good steward by serving with the gift that I've been given or the gift, some people have more than one gift. If I am not serving, then I am not being a faithful steward of the gift that God has given me. He said, if anyone speaks, in verse 11, if anyone speaks, 
Let him speak as the oracles of God. So if anyone's a preacher, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers or if anyone serves, let him do it at, let, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. And this is the beauty. That in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so what does he say to us? He says, listen, each of you has received a gift. And he said, and so what you need to do is you need to use your gift. You don't need to come to church and just sit on a seat. Hello. You need to be part of the body, the life of the body. And so the gifts that God has given you, then you need to be serving. And when you do that, you are being faithful with what God has given you to serve. So here's the question for that one. Am I using all that I have been entrusted with to serve the body of Christ and others in general for the glory of God? It's important that we ask ourselves that question. Not that I serve them because of other things, but that I serve them. That I serve for the glory and the honor of God. If you say no, you're sitting there, you have gifts, you have talents. And listen, I'm not talking about people that are going through process because there's some people in here that are going through the mentoring program and they're getting ready to start serving. I applaud you. Give them a hand because they're in a position to do that. So I'm not talking about that. I'm not coming to condemn those people because those people want to serve in some capacity. I'm talking about the ones who just come to church, who just come and participate, you know, in worship. They get their, you know, they, they, they get their fill and then they just go home and it's just, it's just about them and Jesus and that's it. I'm talking about that person who has no desire to serve, who has no will to serve, who's not doing anything to pursue the use of the gifts that they've received. Then that is a problem. Because number one, you're not bringing glory to Jesus. Number two, you're sitting on the gift that he's given. And number three, the rest of the body needs the gift that God has given you. The third thing, the third way that we serve the Lord is we serve the Lord in others. Y'all are going to love this. We serve the Lord in others by esteeming others and considering their convictions above our freedoms. Let me say that again. We serve the Lord and others by esteeming them, esteeming others, and considering their convictions above our freedoms. Turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 5 and verse 13. We'll start there. And all I did when I was going through the scriptures and I saw when it talked about serving one another, I saw these scriptures and so that's where, you know, I got all of this. And I was like, man, this is talking about me serving my brothers and my sisters. And so the book of Galatians... Chapter 5 and verse 13, and you got to say amen. amen. It says, For you, brethren, have not been, have been called, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So he says here, he says, Listen, don't use your liberty as an opportunity for you to do, to live out your fleshly desires. He says, but use it as an opportunity, to, an opportunity to serve one another in love, right? So let me, let me paint the, let, let, let's do, let's look at another scripture that really paints this picture really clear. Turn to Romans chapter 14. This is the one y'all are going to love. Hallelujah. The book of Romans chapter 14, and we're going to look at verse 13 to verse 23. got to say amen. amen. 
Romans chapter 14, we're going to look at verse 13. He says this. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather re resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So the first thing he says here is he says, stop judging each other. How were they judging each other? Well, one person was saying, this is holy, right? Or this is unholy, should I say. And then the other one who was like, man, that doesn't, that, that's not unholy or holy. It doesn't matter. I can eat that. I can participate in that. It really doesn't make a difference. And so the one who was, you know, saying that was like, that really doesn't matter. He was judging the other one saying, man, there's something wrong with you. And guess what the other one was saying? He was saying, there's something wrong with you. And so he's saying, hold on a second. Stop judging each other. Stop judging each other based on your own conscience. Stop judging each other based on your own convictions on stuff. This is how he starts it off in this part. He's not starting off. He's in the middle of an exhortation here. But then he goes on to say this in verse 14. He says, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. So he says, there's nothing, he says, I'm convinced, nothing is unclean in and of itself. It's not, it's not an issue of the item. It's the issue of the heart. It's an issue of the conscience. It's the issue of the mind. And so if I believe something is unclean, then I should not be participating in it. Amen? Amen. I, should, I shouldn't go ahead and violate my conscience and decide, well, you know what? He, he can do that, so I guess I can do that. No, no, no. Don't do that. God gave you conscience for a reason. And so he wants, he deals with us individually, right? There are certain things that are in the Bible. The Bible is crystal clear on. That's how we live our life. But there are other things that I, that I, that I may feel that are unclean that minister Juan, he may not feel that they're unclean or vice versa. There may be things that I feel that are okay to do, and he feels like, nah, man, those things are not clean. So what should happen is I should never invite him to do those things. Hello. Nor should I do those things in front of him, and maybe I should stop doing those things altogether. Mm-hmm. I know, I, I got an amen on all the other two, but that third one, you were like, ah, Bishop, I don't know. I won't invite him, and I won't do it in front of him, but okay. I'm just saying. What if he walks up on you? Well, my bad. I'm, yeah, okay, I'm just saying. Just think about this. So he goes on, and he says this. He says, yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, say food. He's talking about food. He's talking about eating. So, you know, somebody thinks that pork is bad. Or in this case, it was people in those days, you know, they had these, these, um, these markets. And so what they would do is that some of these places, they would dedicate all of their meat unto idols. And so what happened was when I knew that that was a market that they had food, you know, I knew that they were serving other gods. And I knew that they had meats that were dedicated to other gods, that that would violate my conscience because something is like, man, I shouldn't be eating that stuff, right? That's what, that's, that's what in my mind is. And so what happens is Paul is saying, look, if someone has that mindset, don't, 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 if he's grieved because of your food, he's like, you shouldn't do this. He's, look what he said. He said, you are no longer walking in love. Read that again. He said, yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you, hold on a second now. He didn't say they had an issue. He said, you, the one who is okay to eat, glory to God, you are no longer walking in love. He said, do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. 
for he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable. Now notice what he says there. For he who serves, say serves. Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. I want you to notice that word serve there because there's two different words. When we look at a lot of these other words that talk about serving, like in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, when it talks about ministering there, notice I use the word diaconeo because that is a word that is talking about my service. It's talking about me being a servant. I offer myself. The other word is the word doulos or doulon or doulo. And that word is the word that we get the word slave. And the word that is used right here when he says this for he who serves, it is not the word diaconeo, it is the word doulos. And what he's saying is, for he who is a slave to Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved. What he's saying is, he says, if you are really submitted to God in these areas that you don't want to make your brother or your sister stumble, if you're a slave, then you're acceptable to God and you're approved by men. Because you know what? You are going to do everything like Paul did when we were going through the book of Acts. That he did everything he could not to offend people's conscience. Hello. Verse 19, it says, Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. And so it's evil for me if I offend my brother in what I participate in, and it is evil for them if they partake of it. Verse 21 said, It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Remember that third one that y'all didn't want to say amen to? There it is right there. Hello. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. It says in verse 22, he says, do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself and what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. And so I said, we serve the Lord and others by esteeming others and considering their convictions above our freedoms. See, a few weeks ago, I told you all about, about an invitation that I received to go to this um, Halloween party. By the way, I didn't go to the party. Hello. It wasn't because I wasn't going to go. It's because my wife already had other plans, so I couldn't go. But here's the point. The point is, the reason why I struggle between accepting the invitation and not is because of this principle right here. Because I don't ever, the reason why I don't drink, I mean, I don't like alcohol anyway, but the reason why I don't do it is not because I'm not free to do it. It's because I don't ever want anyone to be able to say, well, Bishop was having a drink, so I'm good. Because while Bishop would have a drink and probably drink like half of it and not even drink the whole thing, right, and it would just sit there, you going ahead and you're just pounding them down. Hello. <laughs> not like me, because I but <laughs> But here's the thing. But you're using, right? You use me as that, as that scapegoat. 
And so there's certain things that I will not, I just will not do because I don't want to put a stumbling block because this is what it means to serve my brothers and my sisters. It's for me to consider, listen, if it has the appearance of evil, if someone thinks it might be evil, I should stay away from it. Because of what? Because if there is any doubt in what I'm doing, in their mind, it may cause them to have an issue. It's not because I have an issue with God. God doesn't have an issue. Paul says it. He's convinced. Nothing is unclean in of itself. But you know what? If it's going to cause destruction, he says don't destroy the work of God for those things. God is working in someone's life. And so we need to consider, okay, so here's the question for us. Do I consider others before myself? And am I willing to sacrifice my freedoms for the freedom of others? See, I'm going to tell you something. One of the greatest signs of maturity in your faith is that you're willing to let go of your freedoms for the freedoms of others. That you're willing to say, you know what, I don't need to do those things because, you know what, those things don't necessarily bring glory and honor to God. I don't have to do those things. And I'm not going to do those things because I want to make sure that I am giving the cleanest and the clearest testimony of who it is that I'm serving. Amen? Amen. And so if you don't consider others and you just think about yourself, you're just like, yo, man, I'm free to do this. I'm free to do my thing. I'm free. Then you got the wrong heart. You have the not, not because of me, not because of my standard, but because of the standard that Paul sets in the word of God, because of the standard that he makes clear that we should be living our life to bring glory and honor to Jesus, but we should also consider others who may be weaker than us. A lot of us are like, yo, you need to just suck it up, man. You need to become stronger in your faith. That isn't what Paul said. <laughs> that is not what Paul said. That is not the way that he came at it. He said, don't do it. Amen? It should be obvious by now, I hope it is, that serving is not about us. In reality, it is not even about others, but it is truly about the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Here's my closing questions for you. Where is it that God is calling you to serve? Where is it he's calling you to serve? And what area that we talked about here is it that God is making it clear that, you know what? You're not being faithful in serving. Maybe you're, you know, you're having issues as a bond servant. Maybe you're just not committed like you should be. Maybe you're having issues in the area that we just talked about in considering others above yourself. Maybe it's that you are not really serving the Lord based on your gifts and your talents and you're not allowing God to use you to bring edification to the body. Maybe it's in those areas. Maybe you're not serving faithfully. Maybe you're not serving faithfully in your workplace. Hello. But where is it that God is calling you to serve? Where is it that he's calling you to be more faithful? And then the other question is, are you prepared? Are you preparing to serve? And the most important question is this, is are you committed to serving as Jesus did? When we start in the book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 2, it says that he humbled himself to death, even to death on the cross. So Jesus didn't just humble himself to death, He humbled himself to the most menial, the most degrading, the most debased death that there was. Are you and I willing to be that committed? Are we committed to giving everything, not just some things? If you say no to those things, God calls us all to repent in the areas that we've said no to. So I'll stand to our feet and bow our heads, please.